Spring has sprung, the Persian New Year is here, and we're wrapping up another month in comedy with some of our favorite comics, coast to coast and beyond. It's the March Roundup. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go inside the joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to another all new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, coast to coast, Canada wide, and in fact, worldwide on the Global News Network online. We, of course, have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line. Vince, it's the end of another month in comedy, and it is time for another panel show. It's our roundup, buddy. How are you doing over there? No change, Dean. No change. Exactly (laughs) the same way I felt last week. It's literally the same thing I think we were doing an exact year ago now at this point. But But, but spring is here. Spring spring is here. It is the Persian New Year, which kind of plays into our panel uh, on tonight's roundup, our panel this week. Uh, we, of course, have some old friends here in Toronto who have joined us throughout this entire year. We have we have Ali Hassan coming up, Dave Merhaj. But, of course, we're going worldwide this week, Vince. Yes, we are. We've uh, got the UK. We're going to our first UK. international comic. Which will be interesting. So we have Anushka Rava out in the UK, out in London, who who hasn't done the show before. And it'll be interesting because we've we've spent this entire past season talking to comics all over Canada and the US, just trying to figure out what all the different scenes look like and what people are working on and how people are sort of churning out new content during this whole thing. We haven't really had any contacts over in the UK talking about what that scene is like. And of course, for our listeners who 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 do pay attention to UK comedy, that whole scene is built around live panel shows massive fringe festivals so i'm curious to hear what things look like over in the uk and what what the london comedy scene looks like right now and where anushka thinks it's going to go next and of course another old friend of the show who joined us this past summer melissa shoshahi out in la awesome let's bring them all in let's do it let's get into it it is the march roundup persian new year spring is here and eventually live shows will be too right here on Inside Joe. and it is of course the end of the month that means it's roundup time we have our march roundup panel and uh, this month, we're, it, it is, of course, springtime is here. It's also Persian New Year, so we're kind of going along those lines. We have some new friends and old friends of the show joining us. We'll, we'll do the roll call here. We've got here in Toronto, Ali Hassan. How you doing, buddy? Very good. Thank you. Happy now, to be here. We talked to you a while ago. You and actually Dave Merhaj, who's also right now back in Toronto from out in L.A. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. We, we talked to you guys a, a couple of times this past year, actually, during the whole pandemic. And you guys, of course, last year joined us in studio. You were doing a show together. You both have your own things going on that we'll get into. Uh, but we're going sort of global on this episode. We have Melissa Shoshahi joining us again out in L.A. How are you doing, Melissa? Good. How you doing? I'm excited to be here. And also, yes, happy no ruse. There we go. So it's going on right now. And we're going to get into that a little bit. And I always, Melissa, whenever we talk to comics in the States, especially New York and LA, I always do feel like that is a bit of a loaded question when we say, how are you doing? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm good as I can be. I don't, (laughs) you know, actually there's (laughs) sunshine here, so I guess I'm doing better than anybody else. And I mean, things are starting to (laughs) sort of come around a little bit. Festivals and live shows are 
it's there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel there's a bit of a silver lining here we're going to get into some of the stuff that's going on and of course we have a first timer on the show we're going to the uk this week we have anushka rava out in london how are you doing anushka hi good thank you so much yeah no things are good at the moment uh people are out uh even without you know the with the restrictions we're being rebellious that's right it's just like spring break <laughs> in uh, miami beach right now that's yeah exactly <laughs> People don't care at all. It's fine. We'll go into wave four. But one thing, so there's a lot to sort of talk about with this panel this month. There's, I mean, it's we all know it's been a hectic year. Half of you have joined us on the show throughout this entire pandemic and throughout this season. But there's a lot of stuff, COVID aside, there's just a lot of world events kind of all happening all at once. There's a lot of stuff going on in the news. Uh, of course, this past year, one huge point of focus and one huge sort of shouldn't be polarizing, but one massive topic, of course, have, has been the Black Lives Matter movement. And, and what people are talking about a lot right now during COVID is this anti-Asian sentiment that's happening and all these attacks and all these hate crimes that have been happening. For, for you guys, because we do have a panel tonight of, you know, we're talking about Persian New Year, our entire panel, we have comics of Persian background, we have comics of Muslim and Arabic background. I feel like to a large degree, Arabic and Muslim comics are still fairly underrepresented in comedy i mean there's not a lot of comics that sort of came before that other co upcoming comics can look at and go they paved the way for me i mean for all of you and you're all in completely different scenes you all do completely different things you all have completely different voices do any of you with all this stuff going on in the world right now feel some sort of i wouldn't say pressure but some sort of need to maybe be more political in comedy than you normally would with all this stuff going on you know it's funny you say that because uh about being politically correct, there's a law in France that they're gonna do where you can't do accents. I touched upon it uh, with Melissa and uh, it's crazy because what we do a lot in our comedy is doing accents. So here in France, they wanna pass a law that people can't do accents because uh, they, they uh, think it's mocking people's cultures. Uh, whereas, you know, it's just being, it's just representing everyone and it's not, you know, um, supposed to be negative. Uh, so nowadays we have to be politically correct. Uh, we can't even do accents anymore in France. France is such a confused really? place, you know, on one hand, uh, banning the hijab or not the hijab, but the niqab. And on the other hand, banning accents for entertainment. Yes. What a accents what a are canceled. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, for, for example, for our listeners, I mean, so let's say Anushka, you wanted to, you're talking about, your Persian background, you're talking about a family member. If you, and I mean, here in Canada, a great example, comics on this show are good friends with them as well. Russell Peters, that's yeah. a lot of what he's done. And that's a lot of where he found his audience is talking about his background, talking about his upbringing. So he'll do those sort of archetypes and he'll do those accents. And a massive part of his audience is a lot of people watching that that went, yeah, that's who I grew up with. I know exactly that. So that sort of thing would be completely off limits right now in France then. Well, yeah, unless that's the thing you can do the accents that you're from i suppose and okay bring it in in the context where oh my grandmother did this and that or like i'm french so i can do the french like in english i can do the french accent i suppose or the russian just because like my grandmother's from russia like i guess you can get away with doing accents of where you're from but like if you were going to do an african accent then that would be really you know frowned upon for sure was, was there a specific is there a specific incident or event that you could pinpoint that even happened to this or it's just a sort of general wave that's happening because i mean france is also the place that gave us you know charlie hebdo and all these sort of outspoken things that people 
a lot of controversial things have come through there that people sort of defended and had to support and to support the free speech behind it and all that. Well, I guess that's also what stems from it is that uh, they don't want to um, ostracize one part of the society. And so if we were to imitate an accent, then that would not encompass them in the French culture. We would be still, you know, making them feel aside of society for some reason, just like doing their accent, which is really frustrating because I'm thinking of comedians in France, like in the 90s or early uh, 2000, that they were still, that's how they became famous, doing accents and all of that. And, and we can't do that anymore. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't, I couldn't pinpoint like a specific event, but I think it's just, all the turmoils of people rioting uh, for their rights, basically. It's very interesting because on the one hand, my, my mind goes to two places here. On the one hand, you mentioned Russell Peters, Jesse, and Russell Peters has such an incredible ear for accents. And in many cases, it was a tribute yeah, to those yeah. people. What he learned and what he observed in these new places he went to and he'd do the accents and people cheer it on like, wow, you're really doing justice. And I think of a show called Kim's Convenience right now out of Canada where, you know, the the the, the lead actor, Paul Sun Hyung Lee, plays a version of his dad. And for him, it's like I do an accent because it's a tribute to my dad. It's a tribute to all these people who came here and slaved corner shops and whatever other kind of business they had to do. That was their reality. Accents are their reality. So yeah. it doesn't. But then I also think about all the people, I think particularly of Pakistani and Indian accents, when people do them, they're often so awful that I'm like, oh, I'd be happy to see some people do less of those accents. You know, those terrible Pakistani accents. It just sounds like, dur, 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 dur. I'm like, come on, man, that's not even... Do a better, do a better job. You should be canceled until you can prove you can do the accent well, then you're let back in. That's the way I look at it. It doesn't have to worry because nobody knows what Lebanese people sound like. Well, Ali, I think people do care about what Lebanese, especially you, because you know, you've been to my mother's house and you've Come on, man, food. don't. You know, <laughs> make something playful into something that makes me feel bad about myself, dude. I love your family. multiple meals and uh, when we said, uh, you would always ask if there was leftovers and there wouldn't be and my mom would remake a meal. And then you said Lebanon is the greatest country in the world. I stand by. <laughs> Lebanon is, is a wonderful, wonderful place. And I tried to be playful. And Dave Mahesh is not having it this morning. What can you do? Well, I mean, the, the interesting thing, going, going back to earlier, saying how, you know, there really, in general, there hasn't been a mass amount of comics of shared backgrounds with all of you that sort of came first and sort of paved the way. But right now we're seeing, obviously, a lot of Black comics, a lot of comics of color, and now a lot of Asian Canadian and Asian American comics who are having to sort of deal with the stuff that's going on in real time and translate that to the stage and sort of bring their own experiences into their comedy for a lot of for the comics that are out there of muslim and arabic backgrounds that's nothing new to you guys at the same time i mean this is you know all of these archetypes and all of this you know negativity and and hate and all this stuff that you've been dealing with especially in the 2000s as we all know that's nothing new so how much has that sort of flavored your comedy and entered into what you bring to the stage I mean, originally, like, I think it was in 2008, uh, Actress of Evil really paved the way. The comedy tour with, uh, it was with Ahmed Ahmed, Dino Bidala, Aaron Kader, Maz Jabrani. I mean, they were from Palestinian to, you know, Muslim to Persian culture. Like, they, they were like the first one that went on Comedy Central. They really, really paved the way. And now it's just, now there's so much more of a boom of, of Middle Eastern um, comics that are out there. And, 
And it's, it's in demand, you know, people want to see that they want to see different cultures on stage. I think it's such, such an extraordinary time for comedy, you know? Yeah. And I think it's that whole, like, if you build it, they will come kind of thing, right? Because you see a lot of, and I mean, it's really only been the last few years where festivals and networks and all the sort of old gatekeepers have finally started to clue into this stuff, realizing if you have more representation in comedy, and if you take some of these comics that a lot of people hadn't been exposed to before, and put them on the galas and put them on the festivals and give them a show, you'll have a whole new audience that comes out because finally they're going, okay, now here's something I can watch that relates to me. Here's something I can understand that's not just been sort of passed over. Um, but I do want to come back to uh, sort of how that has influenced your comedy and everything that's going on right now. And also we're going to get into a little bit of, uh, this is always a hot button topic, but especially right now, lately because there's just like a list of names every single day if you go on twitter or instagram or wherever we're gonna get into a little bit of cancel culture we're gonna come back with our march roundup panel and it is of course persian new year we will be back with more inside jokes right here on global news radio 640 toronto Hi, my name is Amish Patel, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping comedians spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. Remember hecklers? We probably even missed those at this point, right? It's all the stuff that's kind of on pause right now. It is our March roundup. We have oh, still pieces of trash. Camp. I think I, I don't. Let's not let's not sensationalize the worst part of comedy. I don't think. <laughs> well, you know that's what true. we wouldn't give for a tiny heckle right now. I, I see what you're saying. Ali Hassan, of course, on the Ali. Do you think there are like pro level hecklers that have been sitting there at home this entire past year, going, "Oh, I can't." I, yeah. Got to get back in the game, man. I can't wait. To well, get I think back. half of the country of England probably right now is like, I used to get so much attention, right? When I disturbed the comics, right? And like the, 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 the demented people who are like, I'm part of the show. I'm going to take the piss out of you. We're going to have a, a good time together. Those people, they have nothing. They have absolutely Oh my God, nothing. Ali, I love what you just said. Because I had that happen to me at the comedy store, like 400 awesome. drunken Brits, exactly yeah. that. Like, oh, you're sexy, you're sexy. I was like, oh my God, I'm not missing those. Yeah. <laughs> my, my parents still heckle me the whole quarantine. Oh, there so you go. <laughs> I haven't missed it, you know, every day. Like, you are not funny, you know. My dad once, I was doing a, a show with a friend of mine, John Hastings. We were doing a duo show at the Fringe Festival, you know, and my dad, this was his heckle. He wrote something on a note and brought it up and handed the note to John. And uh, my dad is an English teacher, and I think he kind of heckled his gr grammar or something <laughs> with a note. It was the it was the rudest, classiest thing you've ever seen. So like a polite immigrant, but at the same time, dad, you, you didn't have to do this. This was really unnecessary. Anyway. And speaking of British crowds, cause I do, cause we have of course Anushka Rava on the panel with us in France right now, but of course, normally working in the UK and working in London. I am curious what 
you know, we've been spending this entire season this past year talking about what all the scenes look like in North America during all this. What's New York like? What's LA like? What's happening here in Canada? I'll be curious to hear what's sort of happening in the UK, because of course, for our listeners that know, UK comedy is based a lot around panel shows with live audiences and massive fringe festivals, which are all sort of things that either have to be done differently right now or are kind of on pause. Before we jump over to that, though, one thing I kind of want to pick the panel's brain about is cancel culture. It's this buzz term that keeps getting thrown around and it feels like every day you go on Twitter and there's like a new person that's been thrown out of their gig or canceled on social media or the torch mob is sort of going on after them for one reason or another. Some, I guess, more valid than others. Do you guys think it's sort of this overhyped catch-all that's going on right now? I mean, do you think that we really are overreacting about things? Do you think cancel culture is just something that we're fanning the flames on because it's it sounds like a popular movement more than it really is? I mean, even Pepe I mean, Le Pew is getting canceled, apparently. I think there's a Karen just canceling everybody. You know, no. she's starting it all. She's like, you know what? And then she's starting the whole Twitter feed of cancels because I don't even know. I can't even keep up with who's being canceled. You know, I just, I, I think Chris D'Elia came out of his cancellation. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> he, um, too, yeah. So I can't keep up. Do you I guys know often, who's being You know, canceled? it's just holding people accountable for their own stupidity. But sometimes it's like, you know, right now, uh, this is interesting to watch, you know, um, What's his name? TJ um, from Silicon Valley. Oh, TJ Miller. I'm actually happy that I forgot that name for a split second. <laughs> TJ Miller was awful for a number of reasons. Yeah. Thomas Middleditch recently, you know, exposed this some kind of a, a perv. I don't know. I, I, I don't have, I have no opinion about it. But people are trying, you know how comedy comes in threes? I think people are trying to cancel in threes as well. So they're like, and also Kamel Nanjiani. And people are like, but what did he do? Uh, he got really jacked for a movie. Like, they don't really have a thing yet, but they're yeah. trying to, we need to, we need to have all three from Silicon Valley gone. So sometimes I think it does take a, um a, a, an energy or a momentum of its own even though it may not be justified but often i think it's just holding people accountable and uh dave merhez knows cancel culture is coming for him soon for all the horrible things he did and uh, i know that's why he's quiet and sitting there scared right now but uh, it's coming for you and you have to be prepared for that david you have to uh, atone for your sins i've been honest with all my endeavors <laughs> yeah, you've been very honest. I I say right away, you know, I call my own uh, cancel on myself. You were always yeah, yeah you prematurely canceled yourself a couple of times. I remember. Well, I mean, I guess a big part of it too is, I mean, of course, is social media, right? Because you have people, somebody gets a big new TV project, or somebody's all of a sudden getting all this press for a festival or whatever new special, whatever they did, and then somebody goes and digs up tweets of theirs from a decade ago that they maybe regret and that kind of thing it's a lot different than you know pre-social media where you would just go and watch somebody perform in a club or at a festival and you know not everything's for everybody you would have a few people in the audience who didn't like that set or disagreed with it for one reason or another but they didn't end their career over it they just didn't like that show and didn't go watch that person again but on social media everybody especially right now during covid everybody is in the safe distance of being at home and watching this stuff. And now everybody has a voice and everything happens instantly. So, I mean, somebody who's canceled today could be complete, but it's somebody else entirely tomorrow. Right. So it's such a fast, it's like a brush fire that happens. But I mean, if you dig up like someone's hateful tweet, it's like, why did you even post those in the beginning? Do you know yeah. what I mean? 
Like, why did you even, you know, some of them, it's like months and months of continuous, like hateful tweets. And then, you know, and then their argument is like, well, you dug it up. And I'm like, well, why did you put it up? Like, you must have known it was awful at the time. So I like that. I agree with if you're saying some like awful, awful thing. Yeah. And it's like you have to be held accountable at some point. Do you know what I mean? Because they'll try to play it off like, well, they came after me. It's just like, well, man, you were doing some awful, awful things. I don't understand. Hey, can we just pause the show while I uh, delete some of my old tweets? One second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is this is why I don't really tweet. <laughs> you know, Neither, honestly, I'm like. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Instagram was great because the, the the pictures you can stand behind that. Like, yeah, I looked like that for a while. I don't, I'm not proud that I look like that, but that was me. That was really me, you know. And uh, I think Twitter, if anything, should be canceled. It should be Twitter. Uh, again, people yeah. should be held responsible for their actions, but Twitter giving everybody a voice. Come on, man. Yeah, you don't want that. Well, and I think there's this pressure, especially on comics, and especially right now when everybody is doing everything, you know, everything is live streamed and everything's digital and everybody's trying to figure out ways how to pump out content from their home studio because they aren't doing festivals and they aren't doing live tapings and all that. So I think there's this pressure on performers to constantly be putting something out into the world and to keep on getting those hits and keep on reaching out to that audience. So you're constantly churning out stuff. You're like, I got to do five tweets today. I have to do this video. But as soon as you do that stuff, it, it's out there and it, it exists on the internet kind of forever. That's just it. You've put it out into the world. You can't undo that. Whereas, you know, the old school days where you're up on stage and you're working on a new 20 or a new hour, you're going out and you're honing that and you're shaping it over time and you're you're paying attention to how the different crowds react and you're reworking it based on that. But this is just that's it. It's infinite. Once it's out there, that's it. So there's a lot of stuff that people can go, oh, this person's hot right now. This person has a new series that everybody's watching. Let's look at some of their old stuff and see what we can find. If I can, if I can interject for a second, there are actually two types of cancel culture. There is the personal cancel culture where you're going after someone. And then there is a persona cancel culture, the way right. someone intends to be online or on stage. And when Melissa mentioned Chris D'Elia, he got canceled for his actions personally because he was acting like a, you know, a essentially and, and doing some really stupid stuff. But it was nothing what he said on stage. And the, the, yeah. the term cancel culture for a comic on stage has to really be taken with a grain of salt because that involves the word context, which every comic can relate to. So I just want to point that out. Yeah, Remember I, Kramer? Kramer? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That First was insane. <laughs> so he got canceled. I think that he was insane. And then there was the exact comeback, or not comeback, but essentially a rebuttal of Dave Chappelle doing a set at the comedy store where he went on and said, I think that I'm 20% black and 80% comedian because I watched that thinking, you know, Kramer was probably thinking, oh, we'll get him in the second show. Like yeah. there was some comedy yeah. to be said yeah. there. But he just didn't say it right. And, you know, he'll he'll make up for it. And and that's the kind of the mind of a comedian that anything that you guys anytime a comic writes a set, there's no intent of hate speech or or hateful thoughts. It's all of the origin to be funny. So it's coming from a funny place. So that's the fine line with comics. Well, and I think. I think a big part of it that people are trying to separate is, I mean, Delia is a good example of this because everybody looked at sort of, you know, when you, for a lot of comics, when you're up on stage, your material can be sort of this exaggerated version of yourself. So you sort of become, 
a stereotype of yourself in some ways. So with Dalia, a lot of people looked at that and went, oh, he's been playing this like douchey bro character this entire time that hits on younger girls and all that. And then people realized he was just doing that in real life. Like he wasn't even hiding anything. Yeah. It was just out yeah. there. Yeah, that's a hiding in plain sight situation. It's a hiding in plain sight situation. I mean, there's we know other examples of that now that that's happening in comedy. I mean, not just comedy, it's happened everywhere. But I mean, again, going back to the live performance thing, you know, you if you only had access to comics by watching them live on stage in a club, there's sort of more breathing room to form your own opinion about them and all, you know, all this stuff wasn't so immediate and direct and everybody got to weigh in on it all at once. It's sort of this torch mob thing where sometimes it's needed and, and it's effective, but sometimes it can get out of hand as well. Yeah. When you perform though, you get canceled by one person who comes up to you and is like, Hey, I did not like what you said about couches, you yes. know? Yeah. <laughs> That edgy couch material, you know, but it's, it is interesting because uh, Melissa, that one person, some people are like, I just had to tell them I didn't like it. And they're satisfied with that. Yeah. But there are other people and we've, we've reduced them into a, a, a Karen, but, but there are people who, and I'm thinking of Kurt Metzger's situation in New York. He wrote for the Amy Schumer show and he wrote a sketch and they found out that he wrote a sketch that was offensive. And Kurt was talking about, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough that they didn't want to see that sketch ever again. It, it was that guy should not work on that show. And in fact, he should never work again. And it was, he said, it's literally people who were only going to be happy when I was broke and destitute and homeless yeah. without anything going for me. Then they were like, good. Now our work here is done and we can move on. And that's, that's a little bit, I mean, frightening. It's crazy how now authors, they, they have to think twice before letting someone else say their words, because also I, did, I didn't follow the, that, that uh, specific situation, but then was it held accountable on Amy Schumer as well for what she was saying on stage, even if she didn't write, write the material? Well, she was actually trying to take, she, she was trying to put it on her more. She was like, my, that's my staff. I okayed the sketch. I was in it. That's on me. And, and people were like, no, that guy had that he had that thought to write okay. that sketch. Let's go to the root of the problem and make sure he's, you know, just shy of dead. It was, it was pretty intense. And Ali, I think you, you hit the nail on the head perfectly there. The whole like, okay, our work here is done. Let's move on. And that's exactly it. It's like you wipe out somebody's career entirely. They're all over the news. They're all over Twitter for like, a day and then that person is completely annihilated and then they just jump onto something else sure. like you don't even remember who you canceled last week at this point you know they just move on to the next thing uh all right we're gonna come back with more of our march roundup panel we got a full house uh we're gonna switch it over to the uk also and find out what's going on there maybe get into a little megan and harry i, I don't know <laughs> markle gate or whatever we're gonna call it but we're coming back the jokes to begin panel. More inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Courtney Gilmore, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. That was like a weather girl. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a job. Shining black like Darth Vader caps, they on stairs. While we rocking it, I rock it. Like a little ball inside spring can. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, because there's nothing funny about a blurry meme. It is our March Roundup. 
We have a full panel on the show tonight, all the way across Canada, all the way across the US and way over to the UK. Well, actually France via the UK right now, we've got a full house. So before the break, we were getting into a little bit of cancel culture with our panel and how it's just sort of, I don't know, I feel like it's maybe more more prevalent right now just because people have been stuck at home for an entire year and they have nothing to do but to go on Twitter and sort of find- That's absolutely a phenomenon that's that's at work. Right? That, that is absolutely a phenomenon. I, I also, I host a comedy show on, uh, on, the, on the public broadcaster and my boss has never gotten more letters to the ombud than she has in this last year. Sure like the total no- amount she's gotten in, in 10 years, she's gotten in the last eight months because people are listening and they're like, I'm so angry at everything. Yeah. I have to direct my anger somewhere. And when that person made that joke about babies, no. That was the last straw. Or, <laughs> or babies on couches, Melissa, whatever the, you know, whatever's the new empty thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Babies, couches, you know, coffee. I mean, this is insane. Yeah. People are, are just sensitive, sensitive. I can't even speak sensitive. <laughs> how insensitive you are to them. You don't even want to give them their title. Yeah, I just got overwhelmed because I don't have anything else to do. It's true because everything, everyone's bored and everyone has a voice. So it's like a recipe for disaster because at least you guys all know, at least in the, you know, in the the good old days of, of a year ago at live shows, if you did have a heckler and one thing I think, you know, any of your friends or family that aren't in comedy that I, I think everybody always has this idea that, oh, you must deal with hecklers all the time. Not really. They exist, but there's no like union of professional hecklers that are like, you know, going out to open mic to heckle and, you know, it's usually nine times out of 10. And I'm sure it's the same in the UK and it's the same in LA and it's certainly the same here in Toronto. It's usually just drunk people that think they're like part of the show. And then you either have to pinpoint them and shut them down or worst case scenario, they get kicked out, but that's kind of it. But now you're in a scenario where you're streaming stuff online. Everybody's stuck at home. Everybody's frustrated. So yeah. They want to use the comics have become uh, the punching bag. But I want to switch things over to the UK now. Uh, Of course, we do have Anushka who's in France right now, but normally working in London. Uh, I want to get into a bit of what the comedy scene looks like during all this in the UK. But I almost hate to even bring this up, but it's sort of an elephant in the room just because it's another thing that's been in the news this past week nonstop is, and I'm going to call it Marklegate, but Harry and Meghan all over the news. So... Just to recap for our listeners, Harry and Meghan, they left the royal family, I guess, last year. They stepped down from their duties and they said, the British tabloids are too much. The media hounding is too much. So instead of being around the media too much, we're going to leave Britain and we'll just move to L.A. and do a one hour primetime with Oprah instead. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, also your pronunciation of both Britain and Megan are uh, are something we should spend some time on at some oh. point. Megan and Britain. I don't know what's happening there. That's very. I you're think new we to should both. cancel him. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm on board. I'm fully on board. Megan, yeah. get out of here, Megan. That's my uh, that's my like, accent there, Ali. No, no, I, I caught it. I was very, <laughs> very small town uh, Canada, Megan. That's right. And this is after 12 years of radio in Toronto. You should have heard when I first came here. It was like Fargo FM is what it sounded like. Uh, but well, I mean, there's a lot of things that came out in that interview. I mean, obviously, you know, there's Met- Megan Markle was talking about the pressures of, of marrying into that family, which, yeah, I can only imagine. And of course, the racial undertones, that part I didn't. 
I have to say, I didn't find extremely surprising, but it's disheartening to hear. Um, but I don't know. Now there's this weird sort of offshoot of all this stuff that's going on where you have other people getting canceled or put on pause based on what their reactions were to this. I mean, we have, I don't know, there's in the UK, obviously it's there, but in North America, we do have this weird obsession with the Royals, with the Royal family, especially in Canada. I mean, I grew up in one of those houses where, you know, my mom had to wake up at five in the morning because another one of them was getting married and I have to watch that happen on TV in real time. That's for sure. But do you think we're spending too much time and energy on all this or what? Well, here's the thing. Megan didn't even Megan didn't even know what she got into. That is the biggest bogus thing I ever heard. She's like, I didn't know anything about yeah, royalty. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. She knew. She was like, Oh my yeah. God, I'm gonna marry a prince. But in the interview, she's like, I had no idea who he even was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that for sure. No, but about about uh, being it so uh, all over the world, I don't understand. Like, okay, in the UK and Europe or whatever, but that even people in the states and in Canada are so focused on that, whereas it it has nothing to do with you guys. I mean, maybe uh, you know Australia, she's the queen or whatever, and and uh, but otherwise. Uh, yeah, in the UK, it's massive. Like that's all there was on the news, um, which I understand because that they're from there. But um, yeah, the fact that it's uh, so um, uh, being talked about all over the world is uh, is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, I you feel like it's uh, it's because I I also say it's beyond me, but then I say, but then again, you know. Why, why do I love hockey? Why do I love uh, Liverpool? You know, it's, it's like a sporting event. It's people's pastime. And if it's their pastime, it's hard for me when I frame it that way to really uh, disparage them. But it's a pastime where uh, these are the people who colonized my ancestors. So that's where I, yeah. I'm able to draw the line, be like, this is not my pastime. That's not what I'm interested in. Well, and I yeah. think part of maybe what's uh, before before we go back to break, but I think part of maybe what's going on is there's this fear from the people who are sort of like, you know, diehard monarchists or who are royalists is that it is really sort of this superfluous ceremonial thing. It's like you have this family that's been in wealth and power for so long and, you know, funded by taxes. And it's kind of like this weird ceremonial thing where a lot of people are like, how come we're still just rolling with that it really has nothing to do with our actual government or anything so i think a big part of this interview was a lot of people looking at that and going yeah why does that still exist so harry and megan are now the, these outspoken ex-members of that that are going out in the press and sort of dismantling the whole thing or at least there's this fear of that uh but anyways we're going to come back with more of our panel and also find out what is happening in uk comedy because we've certainly delved into North America this entire pandemic and we know what everybody's doing and or not being able to do anymore. We're going to come back with more of our panel right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name's Aaron Berg and you're so lucky to be listening to me on Inside Jokes on 640. Keep surprising line by line a continuous jabbing at that symbol or to your precious spot. I pinpoint with the index finger. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and of course worldwide on the Global News Radio network brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. 
even if you're sitting in the back row, it's probably fine. We got to come back to that one at some point. It is our March roundup panel. We've been uh, we've been running the gambit of all kinds of topics today. Cancel culture, hate crimes, comics of color coming up in that world and taking that to the stage. And yes, even the Royals. And apparently I mispronounced Meghan Markle. I don't know. I have my horrible letter Kenny accent that comes out of my face no matter what I try to do. Ali Hassan is always good for pointing that out to me. Uh, but I do want it because we have Anushka Raba, who's normally working in London and normally working in the K, is it in UK, is in France right now. You know, Anushka, we've we've spent this entire season talking about what's happening in Can in Canada during COVID, what's happening in LA and New York and Chicago and all these scenes here and what how much that's changed. The UK, a lot of our listeners know UK comedy for the panel shows and the fringe festivals and all these things that are also completely relying on massive live crowds. What, what does the scene look like over there right now? Like, where do you see all this going after all this? So uh, the Edinburgh fringe uh, last year was canceled and uh, um, I'm doing the Brighton fringe and it's just been delayed instead of May, it's going to happen in June. And the Scottish, um, the Scottish are still waiting uh, to see if they want to do the Edinburgh fringe this year. Um, and if they're going to do it, it's going to be really more on a local level because of, you know, the travel bans. Um, but otherwise, a lot of the promoters have been doing a lot of uh, Zoom shows, um, yeah. like online and live streamings. But just in between the lockdowns, we've still managed to do um, shows and um, uh, outside shows as well. So that in, uh, in a couple of weeks, they're reopening um, outdoors, uh, outdoor spaces. So they're going to um, do outdoor shows. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that's what most comedians have been doing. And a lot of the people have been, you know, going on, on TikTok and Instagram, like a lot of comedians, right? Be, they've been doing more um, video content creation uh, rather than just live shows, because that's all there is at the moment. Uh, but some of them, it's been really um, uh, helpful to them because they, uh, they uh, raise their, uh, their brand awareness, if I could say so, on their, on their social yeah. media, which could maybe be useful for when they go on stage after. And it they is, I mean, videos that they probably wouldn't have done if they were just doing live shows. And I mean, for the Edinburgh Fringe to be last year canceled and now sort of, you know, adapt to live streaming and all that. I mean, it's that, that's a massive event on the comedy calendar in the UK, especially. I mean, even comics from here in Canada go and go and play the Edinburgh Fringe. It's such a huge it's 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 at par with us taking just for laughs last year and putting that on hiatus and then live streaming that. So it's another huge one in the comedian's calendar where it's this big gig that you work towards all year round and want to include that in there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, talking to comics literally all over the globe, just how all these different scenes are playing out and how, how things will sort of- But what's gonna happen is that happen. if it happens, all the people who were booked for last year are gonna be, uh, you know, moved back Carried to this over. year. So they're not gonna take in new applicants for this year. They're just gonna take the ones that applied last year for this year. So if they I went to Edinburgh a few years ago and what a racket, like what a financial scam you're out, you're out about 2,000 euros before you even leave your home. You're not even on a plane yet. And you've already, to be in this booklet, 800 pound, euros. And to be in this booklet, you want to be in this booklet, then it's another 700 pounds. What? So I thought a year of maybe not making money for some of those producers and promoters might have been a healthy thing. You know, a little bit of perspective. <laughs> it was the performers that I felt for, obviously. But yeah. Fair enough. Ali Hassan. All right. Listen, we could keep going with this panel all night. I wish we could. 
quite frankly. But before we do let our March Roundup panel go, uh, let's go across the room and find out what you guys are working on and where people can find you on the internet. Ali Hassan, we already have you in the hot seat. So where can people sure, find man. you? Right well, I have a, I have a self-tape audition for a, a character. The character is called Dirt. So I'm putting all my eggs in Dirt's basket and I'm really hoping something happens there. And so people can see me in the role of Dirt potentially this summer in some film that I don't fully understand. And uh, otherwise, StandUpAli.com is, uh, is where people can find what I'm doing. There we go. Ali Hassan, thank you so much. Dave Mirhaj with your wall of sticky notes. What are you working on, man? I'm trying to set up a pub crawl outside with Ali Hassan and his friend Q. Hopefully yeah. before I fly back to Los Angeles, if we can lock that down, that would be great. <laughs> and uh, my social media is Dave Merhej. There we go. Dave Merhej, thank you so much. Stay safe, buddy. Anushka Rava out in France right now. Where can people, I know you have a live stream coming up. Where can people find your stuff? Yeah, so um, on Instagram, I post a lot of my reels and um, I do stories. So it's uh, Anushka Rava, A-N-O-U-S-H-K-A-R-A-V-A. And I'm writing my first 50-minute um, show for the Brighton Fringe uh, Festival this year. Um, so it's going to be on the 2nd uh, of June and 10th of June. I'm still trying to see which dates I can be booked on. But yes, in June, uh, in Brighton, UK. If anyone uh, listening is going to be there, then please come along. There we go. We'll post the links. We will get people to that stream. Thank you so much, Anushka. Hope to have you back on again, whether it's COVID or not. And of course, last but not least, we have Melissa Shashahi out in LA. Where can people find your stuff, Melissa? It's been a couple months. Yes, you know, I'm constantly posting original content. So you can find, uh, if you go on my TikTok, which is at Melissa Shashahi, last name is hard. So S-H-O-S-H-A-H-I. And then also my Instagram, which is Mel Shashahi. So you can, um, if you want to watch any anything uh i would go on either tiktok or instagram there we go that is our panel thank you so much to our march roundup panel spring is here it's persian new year and who knows eventually maybe festivals and shows will be live in front of human beings again but until that time there's lots of stuff for you to stream and listen to at home that is our show don't forget you can listen to all our episodes right back to the very first episode on global news online we'll be back next week hi this is alicia carusi and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx features Anushka Rava. Guys, I just had my first lesbian experience! Woo! At the Tel Aviv airport! <laughs> We're the women at customs. In fairness, I thought it was a man. <laughs> Best foreplay ever, guys. Yeah. I was like, please, can you not just use the back of your hand, you know? And that blue they took glove, can you just lose it? It doesn't add anything to the experience. And that metal detector, beep, beep, ah! Oh my God, I just find my G-spot right there. 